Dear brothers and sisters, thanks for these opportunities. And let's uh, turn on the Matthew 7, 24 to 27. Matthew 7, 24 to 27. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and put them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the stream rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it didn't fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Verse 26, But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the stream rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house, and it fell with great crash. Thanks, God's word. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I am so grateful to stand here today. I am blessed during preparing and practice this sermon. We thankful for you provide your precious word, Sermon on the Mount. Lord, you are the rock of our spiritual house. You will do great work in us. And through us, renew our mind, apply your word to our heart. Lord, I will ask you to give us a hearing ear and give me strength to focus on you. We ask you will be glorified in my preaching and in our lesson. We ask in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Squamish has a lot of rock. I can see this big rock when I'm driving from West Van to Squamish. Also, I think Squamish has a lot of sand. It is hard to see from the highway, but there is a lot of sand. Especially when the Squamish River came into the Holy Sound. The big rock never moves. It always there in the same place. The sand is always shifting when the currents of river is calm. With these two simple observations alone, it, if you had two options on where to build your house in Squamish, would you be wise to build it on the rock or on the sand? Well, as we read our passage before us today, Jesus gave us a similar imagery. Let us give our careful hearing to him and his word, that we may be made wise unto our salvations. Before we examine our text today, verse by verse, I would like to brief refresh your memories on the purpose of the book of Matthew. Then address the narrower context in which we find our passage. 
The book of Matthew's main theme is Jesus is the King. His coming starts the kingdom of God. At the start of his early ministry, he gave us his kingdom constitutions, the law of Christ. This is what we commonly call the mountain, the sermon on the mountain. It tells us that the kingdom of Christ is totally different life values and could not be achieved through our self-effort and our fresh desire. It is not the law as the Pharisees usually thought. Rather, it is a gospel that Christ fulfilled the law for us and impute his righteousness to us by faith alone. It shows the characters of God's peoples. It is against our flesh and our depraved natures. It is a picture of totally new natures of the new creatures. It is the Holy Spirit working in us. It shows up on the outside of our life. Scriptures call these similar realities elsewhere the fruit of the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Sermon on the Mount is not a works-oriented gospel. Man does not do works to receive grace from God. God the sovereign gave grace to man to will and to work by the Spirit. The thesis of the Sermon on the Mount is found in Matthew 5, 17 to 20. Jesus come not to abolish the law and the prophet, but to fulfill them. In doing so, he fulfilled the righteousness of the law for us. In Romans 8, 4, said, As he make the righteousness requirement of the law fully met in his peoples, Paul tells us the result of it for us is not so we can live in unrighteousness or so into our flesh. For we no longer live according to the sinful natures, but rather live according to the Spirit. Obeying the law is not for our justifications, but it is for our sanctifications. It shows us what the work of God's grace looks like through our life. At the end of the sermon, Jesus gave us four parables. It is also four contrasts or four warnings to his peoples. He challenged the disciples to obey what had already been taught. First one is narrow gate and a small road against a wide gate and broad road. Second is a false prophet. It's the wolves in sheep's clothing. 
thorn bushes and thistle, against the grip and fig trees. Third is two type of service: obedience from the heart against the own lips service only. The last one is building on the building the house on the rock, verse. Understand. The contrast between these two is life or destructions, blessing or curse. It has its Old Testament equivalent in Leviticus twenty-six and Deuteronomy eleven and twenty-eight. The last parable is the conclusions for the first three parables, as well as the whole sermon on the mount. It starts with therefore. It means Jesus will make a logical conclusions of what was previously said. In his final conclusions, Jesus gave the stern warnings about the internal consequence of those who abandoned the Lord's word, who do not put it into actions, life or destructions. It is falling at the final judgment into everlasting destructions, or standing firm in everlasting life. The key word is to do. In Greek, is poil. How should we understand this word? If we read it merely as law, we will find out we can't do it. Like, do not be angry. Do not lust in your heart. Or don't be greedy. Or positively, love your enemy. So and so. If we simply try to do these laws in human strength, we will fail. God giving laws. Cannot only be lived out perfectly by the us. Only can live out by God's Son Jesus Christ. God-given law can only be done by us when we have the God-given strength, which Holy Spirit provided. We see it from the Book of Romans. On the basis of justifications, in the field of no condemnations, in union with Jesus Christ, we are to live in accordance with the indwelling Spirit. The mind of sin is controlled by the Spirit. By the Spirit, we put to death the misdeeds of bodies. So this is the gospel meaning of to do. Not do this to be saved, but being saved is work out of your salvations. Do not be a worker of lawlessness, but doer of Christ's law. As we, the final conclusions, Jesus teaches the life and the death. The importance of his word. Anyone who know the coming judgment, but ignore Jesus' teaching, 
is as foolish as a person who built a house on sand. Let me unpack these four verses one by one. Our text 24. Everyone who hears these words of mine and put them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. First of all, this verse shows Jesus his authority, his powerful, his showing his prominence and superiority. Word of mine repeated in this passage. Pronouns mine is in the emphatic beginning position of the phrase. Jesus was equating his own word with the will of his fathers. Jesus was claimed to have the same authorities as the God who authored the Old Testament scriptures. A claim he also implied in clarifying the original intent of the law in 5.17-48. Jesus did not live to the crowd to perceive his authority like in 728-29, but he claimed it openly. He did not give his skeptics room to many who were in their opinion of who he was. He must be fully accepted or fully rejected, for no good moral teachers would say these astonishing things just Jesus did unless they were true. Jesus is God's son. Jesus' word matter. Since John recorded for us in Gospel John 14.6, he is the way and the truth and the life. No one come to the Father except through him. Secondly, his words are not only for our hearing, but also for our doing. Both the wise and the foolish person here, both who heard the word of Jesus, both accountable to obey what they had heard. However, here is the difference. One person keeps on doing what Jesus taught, while another keeps on not doing what Jesus taught. It is not the mere hero of Jesus' word who is wise, but only those who put them into practice. The wise man found stabilities and blessing in this life and in eternities. The poil to do is so important it keeps repeating these chapters 15 to 20, 20 to 21 to 23, and 24 to 27. In verse 17, 18, 19, and 24. In Bible's parallel verse John 14, 15, Jesus said, If you love me, you obey what I command. Also in 
First John chapter 2 and 5 is saying, If anyone obey his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. And 5.3 This is love for God to obey his command and his command are not burdensome. In book of James, James 1.22 saying, Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looked like. If you hear Jesus' word and do them, put them into practice, you are the wise man. This is not easy, but it is on, only we to enter the kingdom. This is the wise one, just like the virgins who prepare oils in advance for their lamps, then went out to meet the bridegroom. In Proverbs 7 1, it's saying, Keep in my words and store my command and you will live. Guide my teachings as the apples of your eyes. Romans 2.13 saying, It is not those who hear the law who are righteousness in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Luke 11.28 Blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Galatians 6, 7 Do not be deceived. God can't be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful natures from that nature will reap destructions. The one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit, you will reap the eternal life. Also Titus, Titus 1.16 saying, They claim to know God, but by their actions they deny them. They deny Jesus Christ. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. Suddenly, building the house all of us every one of us is built our own spiritual house first Corinthians 3.16 Paul said by the grace of God has given me I laid a foundation as an expert builder and someone else is building on it but each one should be careful how he built for no one can lay any foundations other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man built on these foundations, use gold, silver, costly stone, wood, hay or straw, 
his work will be sure for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. The number four is on the rock. Rock is the foundations. Christ is the rock. Ephesians two twenty. Is saying built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophet, with Christ Jesus Himself as the chief cornerstone. Anything other than this is sand. As the song "Solid Rock" saying, "My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame." But who's lean on Jesus' name? Oh, Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is shaking, sinking sand. Oh, next verse is twenty-five. The rain came down, the stream rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it has its foundation on the rock. The rain, the stream, the wind stand for different attacks, the temptations, trial in our daily life. It can represent both hardship in this life and God's final judgment. Martin Luther Jones said, "The rain may be health problem, illness, or your financial crisis." Disappointment, so and so. The stream, the flood, may mean worldly thought, own human thought, or your perspective. As your heart is built on the word, the word will attack it. The wind blows and beats. It means the attacks from Satan, the devil. He has many different ways to attack and deceive us. What man relies on, if not on the rock, will suddenly collapse. All of us will face their trial in our life. Also, the death and the final last judgment we have to face. Can we pass this final and the last test? Is our house strong enough, built on the rock? Unless your foundation is on the Lord, on His word, His righteousness, your house will not stand. Jesus and His words are the only foundations, and solid enough to weather the storm of life, and the wrath of God to come on all workers of lawlessness. Examine yourself. Is it Holy Spirit working in your heart to hear and do? Our third verse is verse twenty-six. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. He hears the word and even may like it, and even. Agree with it, but in the end, 
he does not follow it. He still chooses his old lifestyle. It is the easy way. It is the broad way. Many walk on it. It is the way of no repentance, no convictions, no sorrow for his sin. Like the parable of the sower in Matthew thirteen five, some fell on rock place, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, because the soil was shallow. First John two four, the man who says, "I know him," but does not do what he command, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. Second, sand stands for deceptive thought, thought, futility of own thinking, error, and falsehood, or just mere pragmatism of man. In Luke ten sixteen is a parable of the rich fool. The ground of a certain rich man produced good crops. He thought to himself, "What should I do? I have no place to store my crops." Then he said, "This is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build up big ones, and there I will store all my grains and all my goods. I will do this. I will do that." But God said to him, "You fool! This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself?" The fool did a lot, but he did not do the right things. He did not do the word of Jesus. He did only self-serving things. He lived a self-absorbed life. He did not steward his wealth to love Christ and Christ's peoples. He was a fool. He lost it all. Our last verse is twenty-seven. Said the rain came down, the stream rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house, and it fell with great crash. It is same test, and it is the wise man met. Yet his buildings will not sustain; it will not stand; it will collapse. He can't pass the last judgment. It is a great crash. No other fate than the complete destructions. Let's see two examples in the Old Testament: David and Saul. David, who have obedient heart, he desired to serve the Lord and honor Him. He asking the Lord. Seeking and repent what he failed, but Saul is a contrary examples. His summary is found in First Chronicles, 
chapter 10 and 13. Saul died because he was unfaithful to the Lord. He did not keep the word of the Lord, even consulted a medium for guidance, and did not inquire of the Lord, so the Lord put him to death and turned the kingdom over to David, son of Jesse. Saul's horse fell. It is a sad description. Repeated rejection of God and disregard of his command created a hardened mind and spirit. God often let his people be stubborn, which has led to their own downfall. What will be written of you regarding your relationship with God? We must seriously take to heart God's warning and its consequence. Our conclusions, it is a strong warning as well as comfort and motivations. Building on the rock means to put the word of Jesus into practice. If you do not build on the rock, your house will not only fall, but fall with a great crash. Examine ourselves. What do we rely on? What is our foundations? If your foundation is on the rock, hearing, hearing and doing the word of Jesus, then you will be doing nothing new. You will be doing the things Jesus has said once and for all. The word of Jesus have not changed. They stand for all times. They are not like the shifting sand. Let the big rock you see in Squamish be a reminder to you every day. The stability of Jesus and his word. Building your life on the foundation of hearing, believing, and doing the word of Jesus. There is no other solid foundations upon which to build. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your seriously and truly warning. Please give us strength. May your spirit fill each one of us. Jesus is our rock and foundations. Let us be the wise man to build a house on you. Lead listening and live out in our daily life. Showing to the world that we are belong to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.